The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bleaker, and Pocket Cast. However you listen, wherever and whenever you listen, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alfred. It is at All Andy Alfred and Facebook.com slash All Andy Alfred. A split weekend for me. Saturday, we'll get to Saturday. But the NFL is still fresh in my mind. And how about the Lions? Not playing great but getting the job done against the Chargers. And last night, on Monday Night Football, the Browns pounded the Jets. Grounded them. Only allowing three points. Seven trips in the red zone. And we don't get a damn point. The defense looks better for Bowling Green. But the offense is on not a good roll. It's not rolling along. While Toledo dominates against Murray State. And Ohio State is Ohio State. Pounding Indiana. The Indians struggle against Minnesota. And this now means they're playing for a wild card. Talk about that. The battle of the worst teams in the MLB. The Tigers and the Orioles. And tonight, the preseason opener for the Union Blue and Red. The NHL is back for preseason. We'll talk about it tonight, right here, on All Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span. I'm going to get shut out. Dumbino hit to a home run. Go! Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. It's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, I love you guys, and welcome into another edition of All Andy Alfred, right here on your exclusive home for me, the Anchor Network. And that is with the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you listen to this program. Wherever and whenever you listen, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. And as always, you can be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. And Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. So welcome in on this Tuesday, the 17th of September, 2019. We got a lot to get into tonight, of course. We're going to preview tonight's games 
in the NHL. Yes, the NHL preseason is underway. We'll recap what happened last night as well, as well as what's happening tonight, including the Blue Jackets opener and the Red Wings opener as well to, to the preseason. Also, we'll dive on to the field and we'll talk a little bit about what's happening in Cleveland. The struggling Indians could not get anything done against the Twins. They all open up a series against the Tigers, who get a series win against Baltimore. Unbelievable. And so much more on this program. So welcome in. I want to start first and foremost with the NFL, because it's so fresh in our minds from this past weekend. And I tell you, I am absolutely eating crow for what I witnessed on Sunday afternoon. Got a chance to watch the game, or re-watch the game this afternoon. And I tell you, it's a win is a win, I'll take it. But there was so many chances. So many chances that this Lions team could have just... oh, And the officiating was the key thing for them. Three opportunities that the Chargers had to put the put six points on the board. And they pass interfere, offensive pass interference. Legal block at the back. Chance after chance to get it in and punch in for six. They couldn't do it. They get to the goal line and the guy fumbles it. Gives the football back to the Lions. The Lions then scoring another touchdown in the game. After that, I tell you, it looked good. The Lions looked good. But a win is a win. But for me, it's the Chargers. Where was this against Arizona last week? You couldn't finish the game against Arizona. You finished the game this time against San Diego and you win. You get it done. You get it done. San Diego got the football to start. Went three and out. Detroit gets the football three and out. But the Chargers scored first. Nine plays, 68 yards. The touchdown was caught by Austin Eckler. He ran it in for a touchdown. It was 7-0. The next possession for Detroit another touch was a touchdown. Carry on Jack Johnson. Pass from Matthew Stafford for 36 yards. He gets it into the end zone and it's 7-6. Prater misses the field goal. Prater never misses a field goal. Absolute shock on my part. Then we go... Play. And then you get, so the end of the first quarter, towards the end of the first quarter, the Lions had a long, nice drive. Ten plays. They were driving it down the field. A great reception by John by Johnson, Terrell Johnson. Picking up a big play, but then the penalties killed them. Gives, penalties killed the Chargers. Gives the Chargers, gives the Lions a first down and into into San Diego, ter- not San Diego, but LA's, LA's territory. Opportunity after opportunity, and Prater misses a field goal again. At the end of the first quarter, 
The Chargers did score a field goal, and it was 10-6. Stafford, not that great of a game for him, numbers-wise, early on. But he started picking up in the second half. And here's where I say it. Here's where I say it. The Lions had an opportunity. But with but in the middle of the third quarter, first and goal from the Lion one. Eckler leaves, left tackle, gains no ground. Tarvis fumbles the ball, recovered by Kennard. Lions get the football. Three possessions later, two possessions later, they score another touchdown. Kenny Galladay, this kid is an absolute beast. Catches a catch for 31 yards and scores in for the end zone. And at the time was 10-13 in favor of the Lions. And then the Chargers. Now, we all, us, us as Lions fans, know that the Lions always seem to give the game away. But the defense stood Ground, they held. They got. I gotta say this. I gotta say this. The Chargers from Philip Rivers were were charging down the field. But of course, Rivers pass to Keenan Allen was intercepted by Darius Slay, the veteran. With a minute 10 to go in the fourth quarter for a touchback, the Lions get the football. Four plays for Niels. I mean, four plays. Two runs. And a kneel. And that's your ball game. The Lions get their first win and are now undefeated with a record of 1-0-1. and as they beat the Los Angeles Chargers on opening day for them at home, the home opener, by a score of 13-10. to Phillip Rivers in the game, 21 for 36, 293 yards, no touchdowns, one interception in the game. Eckler, 17 carries for 66 yards, one TD in the game. Keenan Allen, eight catches, 98 yards, no TDs in the game. Williams, three catches, 83 yards. No TDs in the game. For Matthew Stafford in the game, he was 22 for 30. 245, two TDs, two interceptions in the game. Uh, Johnson, 12 carries for 41 yards, no TDs in the game. He also caught the ball twice for 47 yards and one TD. Kenny Galladay, again, I say it, this kid's a beast. Eight catches for 117 yards, one TD in the game. Marvin Jones Jr., five catches, 43 yards, no TDs in the game. The breakdown looks like this. The Chargers have more first downs, 21 first downs to the Lions, 19. On third down, the Chargers were 6 for 13, the Lions 4 for 10. Total yards, the Chargers had more yards, 424 yards of total offense, 287 through the air, 137 on the ground. For the Lions, 339 yards of total offense, 245 through the air, 94 yards on the ground. Penalties killed the Chargers, 9 penalties, 70 yards, but it was not that much for the difference for the Lions. They had 8 penalties for 71 yards. Both teams turned over the football twice. 
The Chargers had 31 minutes and 19 seconds of possession time to the Lions, 28 minutes and 14 seconds. Overall, this game was a very good game. Uh, if you're looking at it as you know, the Lions getting a win. There's still a lot of progress that needs to be made. Absolutely a lot of progress that needs to be made with this team. We need to see the defense step up a little bit better. We need that offensive line to be good for Stafford. And we need timely catches. Galladay's not going to be... I mean, we're getting the second game in the season and the tape's going to be out on Galladay. Galladay, And it's going to be interesting to see how this week is going to unfold for the Lions. The Lions now will head into Philadelphia to take on the EAGL EAGLES Eagles in the game this upcoming Sunday. So the Lions get a win. Could the Browns do it again on Monday night? The Browns coming off of the loss against Tennessee in week one, headed into the Meadowlands to take on the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Got a chance to watch this from the start to finish, folks. And I'm telling you, it was sloppy football at the beginning. Absolutely sloppy. But O-B-J. Odell Beckham Jr. Oh my God! He is unbelievable. I I, I saw him with with the Giants. I've seen evolve. We've all seen the catch. But this kid is absolutely fantastic in a Browns uniform. Mindset is there. Playmaking ability is there. And he put on a show. At MetLife last night. And it was all dominated by the Browns. Two field goals to start it off from Austin Herbert. It was 6 nothing after the first at the end of the first quarter. The second quarter started off. And again, Nick Chubb is a beast. I said this last year that he was going to be a beast this year. Again, he is a beast again. 19-yard touchdown run. Five plays, 53 yards. Three minutes and seven seconds. It was 13-0. Browns. Sam Ficken, a 46-yard field goal for the Jets, made it 16-3, and that was it. Austin Herbert kicking a field goal at the end of the second quarter, at the end of the first half, making it 16-3 at the break. In the third quarter, it was Odell Beckham Jr. from the 11-yard line. 89 yards, one play, 89 yards, 11 seconds it took. And the Browns took a 23-3 lead, and that was all she wrote. Trevor Simeon goes down with an injury. Javaris Landry, just ha- oh, excuse me, Miles Garrett just hammering him at the line. And the Browns, the Browns get the win. In the Meadowlands by a score of 23-13. to 13. Unbelievable. And then you, you saw it. I don't know if a lot of you have seen it too. I mean, that stadium cleared out really quickly and you saw a lot of Browns fans that were left. A lot of Browns fans that made the trip. 
Mayfield, 19 for 35, 325 total yards. He had one TD and one interception in the game. That interception came late in the fourth quarter. For Nick Chubb, again, a beast. 18 touches for 62 yards, one TD in the game. Johnson, three touches for eight yards. OBJ, six catches, 60, 161 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Johnson, three catches, 42 yards, no TDs in the game. Ratley, two catches, 50 yards, no TD in the game. Jaharis Landry had three touch, catches for 32 yards. His longest was a 25-yard catch. Uh, Trevor Simeon was three for six before his injury. He got a total of three yards. They were shut down. But Falk, 20 for 25, 198 yards. Their third string quarterback, no TDs, no interception in the game. Le'Veon Bell, the former uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, 21 carries for 68 yards. Montgomery, three carries for 25 yards. Henderson with four catches for 81 yards. Le'Veon Bell had 10 catches for 61 yards in total. So he had led most of the offense for the for the JETS. Crowder, four catches, 40 yards, no TDs in the game. Looking at the team stats, it looks like this. First down plays, the Browns had 16 first downs to the Jets, 13. On third down, the Browns were 4 for 13. The Jets, 2 for 14. On fourth down, the Browns did not convert anything at 0 for 0, but the Jets were 0 for 2 on down total yards the Browns had 375 total yards the Jets 262 in the air 305 for the Browns 70 on the ground for the Jets of their 262 yards 169 was through the air 93 yards in total on the ground nine penalties for 85 yards for the for the Browns but 12 penalties for 89 yards for the Jets both teams turned over the football once in the game, the time of possession, the the Jets, 30 minutes and 19 seconds. The Browns, 29 minutes and 41 seconds. So the Browns are now 1-1. One one. The Lions are 1-0-1. Oh so we are, you know, and, and the Browns are being the Browns in week one. Could this be the turning point? We shall see. Another primetime game for the Browns next week as they play the L.A. Rams on Sunday night football on NBC. We'll get into that on Friday's show, but let's recap Week 2 in the NFL as well. Week 2 looked like this. Besides the Browns getting the win and the Lions getting a win, it was San Francisco with a 41-17 win over the Bungles. The Packers getting a 21-16 win over the Minnesota Vikings. Indianapolis, a 19-17 win over Tennessee. How about New England? Antonio Brown getting his first touchdown pass of the season as the Patriots shellacked the Dolphins 43-0. It was the Buffalo Bills, a 28-14 win over the Juven. Seattle, 28. Pittsburgh, 26. Big Ben was injured in the game. He is now out for the season. It's going to be... A, uh, he will undergo elbow surgery. He will miss the remainder of the season. It's a tough break for, for Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is going to now start going down. The Browns are going to start surging. It's still Baltimore. I think Baltimore is going to be very interesting this season. But I think uh, what we've seen through week two so far is that Cleveland 
could be the number two, number one team. Baltimore might be the number one, number two team. It's it's that division for that for both those teams this season. Dallas a 31-21 win over the Washington Football Club. Baltimore a 23-17 win. Like I mentioned, this Ravens a 23-17 win over the Arizona Cardinals. Houston a 13-12 win over Jacksonville. Kansas City a 28-10 win over Oakland. How about Panero for the Bears? Game-winning field goal with two seconds left to go in the game. A 49-yard field goal to win it for Chicago to beat Denver 16-14. The Rams were a winner 27-9 over New Orleans. And and the big news out of that one is that Drew Brees is out. At least seven weeks with a thumb injury. You want underneath surgery for that. It's going to take about up to seven weeks for him to recover. The Sunday night game saw the Atlanta Falcons cruising to a 24-20 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. So week three starts off this upcoming Thursday. A Thursday night game sees Tennessee taking on Jacksonville. I will take the Titans over the Jaguars. As you are listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the program. And now, a good weekend in the NFL made up for a terrible weekend in college football. <sighs> on homecoming weekend, great crowd on hand at Doit L. Perry Stadium. Bowling Green took on Louisiana Tech led by Skip Holtz, the son of Lou Holtz, the famous coach from Notre Dame, as well as a former ESPN analyst. Um, I figured this game would be an interesting game. Uh, the, the Brown, not Browns, but the Brown and Orange was not favored in this game. They were 11.5-point underdog going into, into the game on Saturday, and that was what the point spread started off as. And you know a lot of bright spots in the game for the brown for the brown and orange. I'm gonna keep saying the Browns, but it's the brown and orange for Bowling Green. Bowling Green looked very very good early on in this game. Absolutely looked good in the early on in this game. And you know the first play from possession. Absolutely, the first play from possession was. Dominating. Very, very strong. To see us go down the field and just absolutely, you know, put the string together. And it looked like this might have been, you know, something good. Absolutely something good. And the fact that, you know, Darius Wade had a bad game the week before. You know, you kind of figured that he would bounce back after the Kansas State game. He couldn't couldn't get any better. Bryson Dentley starting off the scoring for Bowling Green. But Darius Wade having a great catch to Quentin Morris during that possession, the first possession for Bowling Green. Caught the pass for 59 yards. Took it down to the Louisiana Tech 11-yard line. 
And then Darius Wade handing it to Bryson Dantley for the touchdown. And it was 7-0 in favor of Bowling Green early on. Seven plays, 68 yards, 2 minutes and 46 seconds. The next play for Louisiana Tech, three plays, 60 yards. J.R. Smith to Isaiah Graham for 49 yards for the touchdown. It was 7-7. And then then the lights turned out on Bowling Green for me. Wade was trying to look for Quentin Morris. It was incomplete. He was also then looking for. He was looking for Wade for Morris again, and his pass was intercepted by Amir Robinson for a return for a pick six, thirty-six yards. It was fourteen to seven, and that really put a lot of fans into the you know, oh boy, you know this is not going to be good. And both teams, the defense for Bowling Green looked outstanding in this game. Special teams and, and the defense was outstanding in this game. But they couldn't capitalize. They absolutely couldn't capitalize. And that was the only bright spot in the game. Towards the end of the second quarter, Louisiana Tech scores again. Justin Harrison led up to a 75-yard run to the Bowling Green 16. They gave it to Jarvis Quincy Darcy for an 8-yard run, and it was 21-7 at halftime. Again, getting into the third quarter, into the fourth. Quincy again with another 2-yard run. It was 28-7. And then another touchdown. Smith's pass to Smoke Harris for a 27 yards for a touchdown. Seven plays, 53 yards, three minutes and 35 seconds. And, you know, I, I thought that there was an opportunity that, that, you know, the, that the Falcons could have. But, but Weston Elliott Fumbled the football, recovered by by himself. And then he throws the pass and is intercepted by Brandon Pierce for no gain to the Louisiana Tech 27. The brown and orange turned it over on downs. They went for it a lot on fourth down on Saturday, but they couldn't get the job done. And in front of a good-sized crowd on Saturday on homecoming, Bowling Green falls to Louisiana Tech by a score of 35-7. For Louisiana Tech in the game, Smith was the leading passer at 19 for 26, 267 yards, two TDs, no interceptions in the game. Henderson, nine touches for 95 yards. Darcy, eight touches, 31 yards, two TDs in the game. Hardy had six catches for 95 yards, no TDs in the game. But Harris had five catches, 64 yards, one TD in, in the grant game, and Gr- Ingram, uh, excuse me, Graham, one catch, 49 yards, one TD in the game. Fort Bowling Green in this game, Darius did not look good. He was 18 for 38, 171, no TDs, one interception in the game. Uh, 
they had Andrew Clare in the game. He had 11 touches for 11 yards, which is a surprise by me. He came in in the second quarter, and I was saying to myself, when they had, but they had seven opportunities in the red zone, and they left them all off the board. Chance after chance, they got into the red zone, and they couldn't capitalize on it because they either would go for it on fourth down, or they would not. They they would be a fumble. It would be an interception. It it was not good. It was not good. Jones, the leading carrier, though for the for the Falcons, thirteen carries for forty eight yards, no TDs in the game. Quentin Moore, six catches, ninety yards, no TDs in the game. Ortega Jones, two catches, thirty five yards. Breakdown looks like this. Team stat wise. Louisiana Tech had a total of 20 first downs to Bowling Green's 15. On third down, Bowling Green was 6 for 21. Louisiana Tech, 4 for 13. And on fourth down, BG was 1 for 5. Total yards, Louisiana Tech, 453 yards to Bowling Green's 290 yards. 324 of the 453 yards for Louisiana Tech was through the air. 129 was on the ground for Bowling Green. Of the 290 total yards, 171 through the air, 119 on the ground. Penalties did not affect Bowling Green in this game. They were pretty disciplined. Six penalties for 60 yards. Louisiana Tech, eight penalties for 85 yards. The Bowling Green Falcons lost in possession at 31 minutes and 39 seconds. 28-21 for Bowling Green. So now, let's recap the first quarter of this season. We've hit the first quarter mark of the season. We are 1 and 2. Absolutely destroyed by Kansas State. I cannot tell you about that. And we blew out Morgan State, which is an FBS school. FCS school, by my apologies. Bowling Green has not beaten an FBS school at home, at home, since November 25th of 2015. Excuse me, 16, 16. Is it 16? It's 16 or 17. It was against Buffalo. We are one and two, and this next quarter of the schedule is the toughest for us. It starts this upcoming Saturday at Kent State. Kent State is pretty good. They're a pretty good squad, but then after that, it just doesn't get any easier. We go to Notre Dame, and then we come home for for the UT game, Toledo game. And we'll get to Toledo here in just a second. It takes six wins to be bowl eligible. We've got one. If we we have to win this Kent State game, because we cannot be one and six or one and five going into the UT game. We cannot. We certainly cannot. 
excuse me, one and four going into the UT game. We cannot be one and four going into the UT game. This is a big game. You'll hear Leffler's comments here in just a second, post game, about his about from the Louisiana Tech game. Just a second. This one hurts because it's homecoming. A lot of alumni were there. A lot of the new boot. A lot of the boosters were there. Um, got a chance to watch it, and um, I. I it's hard for me to say, you know, I, I, this kid, this coach is a new coach, and I'm not going to knock him. This is in his recruits. This is Jankson and, and Pellini's recruits that's in here. He's got some of the transfers. I, I know that. I'm not going to knock him for this. I'm not knocking him this season. This is a rebuilding year. I know we, I, I've said this before that, you know, a 6-6 six and six would be perfect this season, but I... I, I I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're bowl eligible this year. I just want us to get a signature win this year. And I'm hoping that the signature win will be the Toledo game. Because how much that Leffler has drilled these kids about the Toledo game is absolutely amazing. And like I said, it just doesn't get any easier for Bowling Green after Kent State, you're at Notre Dame. That's a loss. At home against Toledo, that's a toss-up. You play Central Michigan, which is a toss-up as well, too. But you go to Western, could be a loss. Akron, that's a win. At Miami, that's a loss. Your home, your final game of the season is against Ohio, who everybody is picking to win the win the division. And then you're at Buffalo, and Buffalo is pretty good. So you got to you have a shot but you've hit the quarter pole this year this football season. And what have we learned out of Luffler's offense? We know that he likes to go for a lot on fourth down with this week. He doesn't want to put up he doesn't want to he wants to put touchdowns on the board not field goals. He wants to play complementary football where you're having the offense, the defense, and the special teams all blending together and working. You're seeing some signs of that really working in the defense. He is The defense is very, very good. From last week to this week, if you look at the stats, rolling only 453 yards. I mean, but it was, like I said, it was, it was Kansas State. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But for me, the fact that it's gotten better is it, it it has gotten a lot better than where it was last year with Mike Jenks. Absolutely. So I'm not gonna knock him. This is a rebuilding year. And let's let's see what this will shape out to be. Going forward, we got a big game with Kent State, a divisional opponent at Kent State. Kent State coming off of the loss. We'll get to the rest of the recap from this past weekend. Well, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Uh, 
We have the audio from the Louisiana Tech game, post-game courtesy of the Bowling Green Athletic Department on their YouTube page. Um, We're going to play that for you here in just a second. Um, I will say this. Uh, we don't have the audio for the press conference for Kansas for Kent State this week. We're looking to get that audio for you guys for Friday's edition of All Andy Offers for the podcast version. We won't play it during the Falcon Falcon Friday show, but uh, we're looking to get that audio for that um, so you guys can get the preview for Kent State going forward. But uh, we have the audio courtesy of the YouTube account from the BGSU Athletic Department. Here is post-game and what Scott Leffler had to say to the media after BG's loss to Louisiana Tech. Uh, defensively, uh, three-quarters through the game, uh, they played excellent. They played well. Um, they had a great week of practice, I thought, on defense, and it directly reflected uh, how they played. Uh, on the flip side, offensively, we're going to look at this tape, and we probably left anywhere between 49 and 55 plays on, or, t- or points on the field. Uh, there was uh, ample plays to be made. And uh, what I told our team was this, and, uh, and uh, I told our staff this. Um, you know, you're not just going Saturdays, just going to walk out and it's just going to happen. And uh, I think uh, we got through to our players and our staff. It's a combination of all. It always will be. We're never going to finger point in here. But what we did here this week of practice uh, was a direct ref- reflection of what happened um, on Saturday offensively. Um, we had nine drop balls yesterday in a walkthrough. And uh, when you're dropping the football and uh, you're not concentration uh, being concentrating on your job, it's tough to be uh, productive. I think we've got, um, I think we're much better than what we're playing right now. Um, But again, it's got to occur with our staff and with our players, it's got to occur Monday through Friday. And uh, I think the the wake-up call occurred uh, today because everyone saw it. We all all walked off the field and the first thing that Claire said is we should have scored 50 points. And there's no doubt in my mind, I haven't even watched the tape yet, and, but the, the things that I saw from, from on the field, there was 50 points that we left on the field just through a pure lack of execution. So as a staff and as a players, we need to improve, but uh, our work needs to be done, and we're going to win games Tuesday through Friday around here, and that didn't occur this week, and we got what we deserved. You look at this game seven trips inside their territory get seven points out of it. Is the difference between winning and losing today just as simple as missing those opportunities? There's no question about it. And then you, you're to the, that was just the being in the red area or being in their territory. There was, there was three shot plays in the first half where they busted the coverage and there wasn't a guy from here to Detroit. And, and we didn't make the play. And uh, whenever you're having those opportunities uh, that were on the field, it's tough to win games, especially when you're playing uh, opponents that, there's, that are the same as you. And that's what I, what I agree this team was equivalent to us. You mentioned the, the stall drive. But was the one that maybe took the wind out of the sails that early one in the third quarter and started to churn one? 17 plays now. You're still, it was actually a drop pass kind of broken up. Yeah, we caught them in uh, exactly the look that we anticipated. They end and out it. We got leverage on Q, and uh, you know we we were we were going to try to get the ball to Q in that situation. We had leverage. It's uh, one of our best players that we were trying to get the football to. Um, the uh, 
The one that, uh, other one that I thought was a, a backbreaking, as we call a trick play that we've worked on from day one in training camp and didn't execute it at all. I mean, it, at all. Um, so, you know, that's on us. We got to get that better. But uh, there's numerous. I mean, we can go on and on and on and on. I mean, from the first quarter on all the way through to the end, fourth and three, we run a sprint out pass and we're wide open in the flat and we, we don't make the play. So we need to, but again, there's times we make that play in practice and there's times that we don't. And as a staff and as players, we need to look at ourselves and understand that everything we do from a walkthrough to a meeting to how we conduct business from the time we walk in this building, it needs to be about focus and execution. And uh, we improve on that, we'll win some games. We'll win, we'll win more games than what we're supposed to this year. But until we get over that hurdle, um, you're going to get the same results. You guys were able to string together good drives to get down in the red zone and then stalled out. On the flip side, when the defense comes onto the field, does that deflate them? Well, you know, the thing of it is, is that you know, defensively, I thought they did a great job of worrying about what they could control. But whenever you're missing opportunities, you know, we should have been in that football game all the way to the end, and uh, we weren't because we didn't make our plays when they presented them, themselves. So. Once you get into those real competitive games and, and we get really good, there's going to be only four of those. There's, a, there's, a, there's 15. There's 16 of them out there. But once we start, we get to where we want to be and we're playing a great opponent, you're only going to get four of those during the game and you got to make them. But uh, it's, a, it's a great learning process for our players. It's a painful learning, process, painful learning process for our staff. But as a staff, we got to get better Monday through Friday, and we have to get our players to buy in that everything matters Monday through Friday. Everything matters. You guys are up to 11 sacks already. Are you seeing good signs from that pass rush? Though? Yeah, they've done a great job. And just like I said, I thought their, their focus was great, uh, except on Thursday where they, they didn't have as good a practice as they, they had. But for the most part, all week long, they, they played well. Monday through uh, Friday, and uh, offensively, we did not. Throughout camp, you mentioned running backs as a strength. Running game struggled again today. Yeah, I think we had 50 carries for 119 yards. I mean, that's that's not that's not where we want to be. We want to be able to run the football. And I know Andrew didn't have four quarters type carries today. He didn't get his first carry until the second quarter, I think. But kind of, what is the missing piece in that unit right now that has the running game struggle? I think it's a combination of everything. Um, there was uh, there was there was three perimeter plays uh, where the quarterback was supposed to give the football and did not. Um, we need to block better on the perimeter. We need to get push up front at times that we're very stagnant. And then our, our running backs in this offense, they got to make they got to make one guy miss. That's the, that's the deal. They have to. And we've got the type of backs that have that ability. Uh, but we got to get some more push up front. We got to block better on the perimeter, and our reads with the quarterback in the run game have got to help us. Um, we ran a power read play that was a give all the way. We pulled the ball, and uh, but uh, we messed that up in practice. And we think that it's going to occur on Saturday. It's not. You know, it was just that's where we're at right now. And we're going to reduce and all that. But you can reduce all you want and get down to four plays. You better. You better be on top and be on point, and that's what we need to do. You went for it a lot on fourth down. Does that mean you have confidence that we're not going to settle for a field goal? No, we're going to go for forward on fourth down. Um, you know, the, the statistics and everything 
there's there's a formula to, that we follow, and uh, there's times where 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 we won't follow the chart and we'll, we'll kick the ball based on how the defense is playing and how the offense is playing. But we knew that we needed to score touchdowns, and um, we didn't. Three big plays. Three explosions. Yeah, the daily double, what we call the daily double, um, offensively, if we would have done our job, we would have won the daily double. We would have won the turnover battle and we would have won the explosion, and that gives you an 85% chance of winning, but we didn't make our explosion plays at all on offense. Overall, is there, he's giving you what you need to be quarterback? Um, at times, and at times he's not. Um, and that's reality of where we're at right now. I thought at times he played much better than what he did previously, and then there's times that uh, it was the same old, same old. So we need to. So you just heard the post game comments from Scott Leffler, and again, like I mentioned before, we didn't get the audio from the press conference from this past Monday. Uh, we will get that for you guys here on the podcast version of All Andy Alford on Friday's edition, not on the Falcon Friday video on the Facebook Live, but you will hear it here on the podcast version. As you are listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And let's recap the rest of the top 25, as well as some of the Big Ten and other Mid-American Conference games. 20th ranked Washington State was a winner 31-24 over Houston. Georgia was a winner 55-0 over Arkansas State. It was also Notre Dame beating up on New Mexico 66-14. The Alabama Crimson Tide, roll tide, Alabama, 47-23 win over the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, Central Florida UCF was a winner 45-27 over Stanford. How about BYU Beating USC in overtime, 30 to 30 to 27, unbelievable. Utah was a winner, 31 to nothing over Idaho State. Uh, Florida, a 29 to 21 win over Kentucky. It was Texas A&M, a 62 to three win over Louisiana Monroe. You also had Clemson beating up on the Syracuse Orange, 41 to six. LSU, a 65 to 14 win over. Uh, NW uh, over in their game. Uh, Washington, a 52 to 20 win over Hawaii. The Vir- Virginia, Virginia clobbering Florida State, 31 to 24. Oklahoma, 48 to 14 win over UCLA. Texas was a winner, 48 to 13 over Rice. It was Boise State, a 45 to 10 win in their game. And Oregon was a winner over Montana. 35 to 3. So looking at some of the Big 10 games, of course, we'll start with Ohio State. It's Ohio State started Big 10 play as they were the big noon game on Fox this past Saturday and they pounded the Hoosiers by a score of 51 to 10. Justin Fields having a breakout game again and JK Dobbins running for 193 yards and he scores twice in the game. Fields throwing three touchdown passes in the game as the Buckeyes rolled past the Hoosiers 51-10. Fields 14 for 24, 199 total yards, three TD passes in the game. J.K. Dobbins 22 touches for 193 yards, one TD in the game. 
take the 10 carries, 106 yards, one TD in the game. Fields also ran the football four times for 11 yards, one TD in the game. Olive, three cat, Olav, excuse me, Olav, three catches, 70 yards, one TD in the game. KJ Hill, two catches, 23 yards, one TD in the game. And J.K. Dobbins also caught the ball twice. For 14 yards, one TD in the game. For the Hoosiers, it was Ramsey, 19 for 33, 162, one no touchdown, one interception in the game. James, four catches, 14 yards, no TDs in the game. Ramsey ran the ball as well, 14 times for 14 yards. Uh, Hendershot, four catches for 70 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Hale, four, two catches for 33 yards. The breakdown looks like this. Ohio State had 30 first downs to Indiana's 15. On third down, the Buckeyes were at 50% at 5 for 10. Indiana, 3 for 17. Ohio State had 520 total yards of offense, 214 through the air, 306 on the ground. For Indiana, they had 257 yards of total offense, 215 through the air, 42 yards on the ground. Penalties killed the Buckeyes. At five penalties for 45 yards. Indiana had five penalties for four, 54 yards. Both teams turned over the football one time. But the possession arrow went to Indiana at 32 minutes and 10 seconds to Ohio State's 27 minutes and 50 seconds. The rest of the Big Ten looks like this. Pitt gets the loss in Happy Valley as they lose to Penn State 17-10. to How about Temple beating Maryland 20-17? to Maryland beating the Orange last week. And then Maryland falls to Temple. Unbelievable. A Big Ten Mid-American Conference matchup saw Lovey Smith and the Illinois Fighting Illini lose to Eastern Michigan. And who had it picked? Yours truly. I picked EMU in this game. 34-31. to uh, it was Northwestern a 30 to 14 win over UNLV. It was Minnesota a 35 to 32 win over Georgia. Excuse me, uh, um, Georgia Southern. Uh, like I said, Iowa a winner, beating Matt Campbell and the Cyclones 18 to 17. TCU a 34 to 13 win over Purdue and Nebraska shellacking NIU by a score of 44 to eight. There's one game I wanted to talk about, and that was the Arizona State Michigan State game. Now, we'll say this. You have to count. You have to blame the special teams coaches for the error that Ohio, that Michigan State had in this game. Absolutely have to blame them for this one. You have to check to see how many guys are on the field for this. Absolutely have to. And the fact that they didn't, and it cost them the game. It really cost them the game. And have the upset take place in East Lansing. It's unbelievable. Arizona State a winner 10-7 over, at the time, 18th ranked Michigan State. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Mid-American Conference looks like this. Other games of, of note to pass along from week three of the college football season. It was Miami of Ohio losing the bell to Cincinnati by a score of 35 to 13. FAU a 41-31 win over Ball State. Central Michigan a 45-24 win over Akron. Liberty puts up 35 on Buffalo as Liberty beats Buffalo 35 to 17. Marshall a 33-31 win over Ohio. Auburn shellacking Kent State 55 to 16 
Western Michigan, a 57-10 win over Georgia State. And we get to Toledo's game. Toledo opened up their home season against Murray State at the Glass Bowl. Uh, Mitchell Agani threw for 266 yards in the game and three touchdowns as Toledo dismantled Murray State 45 to nothing in the game. For Rice, for Murray State, he was 26 for 36, 180 yards, two interceptions in the game. Agani, 18 for 25, 266, three TDs in the game. Kelly had five carries for Toledo, 63 yards, one TD in the game. For Rice, it was Rice again. He had 17 carries for 87 yards in the game. The breakdown looks like this. Like I said, Rice 26 for 36, 180 yards, two interceptions in the game. Uh, Castle had nine carries for 24 yards. Agani 18 for 25, 266, three TDs in the game. Kelly had five carries for 63 yards, one TD in the game. Brian Kovac had 13 carries for 62 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Bell, three catches for 38 yards. Uh, McCray, five catches, 35 yards in the game. Uh, Kessel, seven catches, 29 yards in the game. For Toledo, that was Murray State. For Toledo, it was Mitchell, one catch, 66 yards. McKinley had three catches for 90 yards, one TD in the game. Rosie had five catches for 84 yards, one TD in the game. The overall team stats looks like this. Uh, Murray State had 21 first downs to Toledo's 23. On third down, Murray State was 4 for 15. Toledo, 6 for 13 in the game. Murray State had 331 total yards of the game, 198 through the air, 133 on the ground. Toledo had 538 total yards. 348 of it is through the air, 190 of it was on the ground. Five penalties for 45 yards for the for the midnight blue and gold. For Murray State, five penalties and 48 yards. Two turnovers in the game for Murray State. No turnovers for Toledo. Toledo was lost in the possession. Murray State had 32 minutes and 16 seconds to Toledo's 27 minutes and 44 seconds. So Toledo, one and one. Bowling Green, one and two. Both teams struggling at the start, at the gate, going into week four of the college football season and looking at some of the top 25 the rankings look like this going into this week's play. Still at number one is Clemson at number one. Number two is still at Alabama. Number three is Georgia for LSU. Oklahoma is now five. Ohio State still at six. Notre Dame at seven. Auburn eight. Florida nine. Utah moves up one. They go to 10. Michigan is 11. Texas is 12, Wisconsin 13, Penn State 14, UCF is 15, Oregon is 16, Texas A&M 17, Iowa 18, Washington State 19, Boise State now to 20, Virginia 21, Washington 22, Cal is now in the top 25 at 23, Arizona State now at 24, and TCU at 25. We have two slate games going forward on Friday. Utah, 10th ranked in the country, will take on USC. And the Air Force Academy will battle Boise State, 20th ranked in the country. You'll hear my predictions and all the predictions this upcoming Friday on our Falcon Friday edition. And we'll preview the Bowling Green game against Kent State. As you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, 
Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast this evening. And now let's hit the diamond. The worst two teams took the field in Detroit. Who could, who would want to go see it? So this past weekend, the Tigers and the Baltimore Orioles battled it out at Comerica Park. These two teams are the worst two teams in all of Major League Baseball for a four-game series against one another. And it started Friday night as the Tigers lose to the Baltimore Orioles by a score of 6-2. to Zimmerman, the loss, he goes to 1-11 with a 6.32 ERA. Brooks gets the win. He goes to 5-8 with a 6.06 ERA. Stewart for Baltimore homered his second. Marinci his 31st for the Orioles. As, it, like I said, Zimmerman in the game. Looking at the box score, he went five innings, eight hits, four runs. All four runs were earned. No walks, three strikeouts. He did give up one home run in the game. Time of the game, three hours and two minutes, 14,722 through the turnstile. Saturday saw the Tigers getting an 8-4 win against the Orioles in a walk-off fashion, by the way. Five runs in extra innings for the Tigers as they win 8-4 on a grand slam home run by John Hicks. A walk-off fashion as the Tigers cruise to an 8, like I said, 8-4, get an 8-4 win. Schwarber, the win, he goes to 2-0 with a 9.45 ERA. Fry, the loss, he goes to 1-9 with a 5.40 ERA. Marinsky, his 32nd home run of the season. Harold Castro, his fifth. Victor Reyes, the second. And like I said, John Hicks with the grand slam home run in the 12th inning to propel the Tigers to that 8-4 win. His 12th home run of the season. In the game, the Tigers threw out on the hill. Daniel Norris, he went pretty good. Three innings, one hit, no runs, none earned, no walks, three strikeouts in the game. So the Tigers splitting it right there. And then on Sunday, they fall to the Orioles by a score of 8-2. to Wojciechowski, the win, he goes to 3-8 and with a 5.38 ERA. Jackson, the loss, he goes to 3-10 and with a 9.70 ERA. Ruiz homering his 11th of the season. As the Tigers lose 8-2 on Sunday afternoon at Comerica Park. Jackson, the line for him, five innings pitch, seven hits, five runs. All five were earned, two walks, five strikeouts. The one home run he gave up to Cruz was the difference maker for him. On Monday, the Tigers finished up the four-game series with the Orioles, and they win 5-2. Alexander, the win. He's 1-3 with a 4.87 ERA. Casey Means, the loss, he goes to 10-11 and 11 with a 3.865 ERA. Jimenez is the save, his 7th of the season. Marinsky again, homering for the Tigers. He had three home runs in four games against the Tigers. His 33rd of the season, but Jody, Jory Mercer, his ninth home run of the season, helped propel the Tigers to the 5-2 victory for the game. Like I said, Alexander, a good game, six innings pitch, four hits, one run, that run was earned, no walks, three strikeouts. He gave up the one home run. So now the Tigers head into Cleveland for a three-game series. And let's talk about the Tribe as well as they had a big series against the Minnesota Twins. They welcomed in the Minnesota Twins on this homestand for a big three-game series, and they struggled. Friday night, they were the game was postponed, so a traditional doubleheader took place. And they lose both games of the doubleheader, folks. Game one sees the tight see the Indians lose two to nothing 
to the Minnesota Twins. Littell, the win, he goes to 5-0 with a 2.90 ERA. Mike Clevenger, the loss, he goes to 11-3 with a 2.68 ERA. Rogers, the save, his 26th of the season. Polanco, homering for Minnesota, his 22nd of the season. For Clevenger in the game, he went eight innings strong. Six hits, two runs. Two runs were earned, one walk, a total of 10 strikeouts, and he gave up the one home run in the game to Polanco. Game two saw the, t- saw the Indians fall to the Twins again by a score of 9-5. to five. In the nightcap of the doubleheader, Perez the loss. He goes to two and three with a 3.252 ERA. Gertrude the save, the win. He goes to one and zero with a 5.40 ERA. Rosario his 29th of the season. Cruz his 37th, and Sano his 28th of the season. This is a bad loss for the Indians to take as they could as they got swept of the doubleheader. Luplo his 13th of the season, and Mercado his 11th of the season. For the Indians in the game, starting was Clippard, Clippard the, the pitcher. Two, he went two innings pitched, two hits, two runs. Those two runs were earned, and two strikeouts, one home run in the game. Cookie Carrasco came in. He pitched two innings, gave up two runs on two hits, three strikeouts, no walks, one home run in the game. So the concluding game on Sunday, the Indians had to win it, and they did. They pulled it off by a score of 7-5. to five. Wingard in the win, he goes to 5-1 and one with a 2.78 ERA. Romero, the loss, he goes to 0-1 with a 7.36 ERA. Perez, the save, his first of the season. For Minnesota in the game, two home runs hit by Rosario, his 30th and 31st of the season. Wade getting his first home run of the season. And Sano, his 29th. Uh, Perez, Roberto Perez, his 23rd home run of the season, propels the Indians to take at least one game of the series. Shane Bieber on the hill. Had a struggle of a game. He went five and two-thirds innings, 11 hits, four runs. All four runs were earned. One walk, four strikeouts. He gave up three home runs. His ERA now at 3.26 ERA. So the Indians falling two a three to Minnesota. They now welcome in the Detroit Tigers, like I mentioned before. Big series for them tonight. And they have to get on the right page. Reiniger will start for for Detroit tonight. He is... No record of of the season. He has a zero ERA for the Indians in the game. Starting for the Tribe in this series opener with the Detroit Tigers. It is, of course, the one, the only, Polanco. He is with a 4.34 ERA in this series. Wednesday sees... Jacob Turnbull on the hill, 3-15 with a 4.77 ERA. Cervelli will start for the Tribe. He is 3-3 with a 1.93 ERA. The concluding game Thursday sees Daniel Norris on the hill, 3-12 with a 4.62 ERA. He'll take on Mike Clevenger with a 2.68 ERA. 7-10 start times for all three games. You can watch all those games on Fox Sports Detroit or Fox Sports Time, Ohio. After this series, the, the Tigers will head back home for the final homestand of the season. They'll open up a three-game series with the Chicago White Sox from the south side. Both teams have not yet named starters for the weekend series for the Tribe. The Tribe will then now continue on their homestand, their final homestand of the season, actually. They'll help finish up with three games against Philadelphia. Drew Smiley will start for the 
Phillies on on Friday night. He's four and six with a six point two two ERA. Terry Francona has not yet named starters for Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Both teams have not named starters. Excuse me for Saturday and Sunday. So with all that in mind, let's take a look at the standings going into today's play with the two wins that Minnesota got. They are now ninety-two and fifty-eight in first place in the Central. They're going to win the Central. It looks like, folks. Cleveland 87 and 63, five games out of first place. Everybody else in the division, the White Sox 65 and 85, 27 games out. Kansas City 56 and 95, 36 and a half games out. And the Detroit Tigers are now 45 and 104, 46 and a half games out of first place. The road to 120 is still there, but looks like it's going to be more like 110, 115, it looks like. The rest of the American League looks like this. The Yankees are 98 and 53 in first place. The Tampa Bay Rays are 89 and 62, nine games up in the first place from the the New York Yankees. Boston is now 18 games out of first place. They're not going to make it. 79 and 70. Toronto 59 and 91, and Baltimore 49 and 101. In the West, pretty much just wrapped up for the uh, Houston Astros at 98 and 53 in first place. Oakland 90 and 61, eight games out of first place. Pretty much wrapped up there. In the senior circuit, the Atlanta Braves have clinched a playoff spot with a record of 93-58 and 58 in first place. The Washington Nationals are 10 games out at 82-67, and 67, 10 games out of first place in the American League, in the, excuse me, in the National League East. Philadelphia 76-72, and 15.5 games out. The Mets 77-73, and 73, 15.5 out. The Dodgers have won the West, of course. And they've won the division at 97 and 54. The National League Central is still open right now to interpretation. The St. Louis Cardinals are in first place at 84 and 66. The Cubs 82 and 69, two games out of first place. The Brew Crew are 81 and 69, three games out of first place. Wild card looks like this. Pretty much now the Indians have to get into the wild card to finish out the season. It's going to be the the Astros, Yankees, and Twins for the division leaders. The wild card looks like this. Oakland is 90 and 61, a game up in the wild card race. Tampa Bay is in the second wild card spot at holding strong. A game and a half lead over the Tribe at 89 to 62. The Tribe's 87 to 63, a game and a half out. Boston not going to make it 79 and 70, nine games out of a wild card spot. And that's the only other team that could make it. In the National League, it is pretty much still open a little bit. Of course, the Dodgers clinching the division. The Braves are in the East. Central will be the Red uh, the Redbirds of St. Louis. Wild card looks like this. Washington holding a half game lead in the wild card spot at 82 and 67. The Cubs at 82 and 68. The Brewers on the outside looking in at 81 and 69, a game out of a wild card spot. The Phillies are 76 and 72, five games out. The Mets, 77 and 73, five games out as well. Arizona, 77 and 74, five and a half games out. And San Francisco is you know, pretty much out of it at 72 and 78, 10 games out of a wild card spot. So, pretty much the Indians have to run the table. Like I said, they've got Philadelphia next on the docket for them after the Tigers series. And then they finish up with three in the south side to take on the White Sox and then three against 
the Nationals. So we'll see what happens with that as you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning into the program. And now let's hit the ice. You heard that right. The Jackets are back, baby. So I mentioned before, yes, the Jackets are back in action. Of course, the Jackets getting ready to set up set up their start of their preseason tonight as they take on the Buffalo Sabres at Nationwide Arena. The Jackets dressing pretty much uh, not a star-studded lineup for them tonight, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Jackets will perform tonight, especially after the vigorous three days of trading cap has taken place. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how Columbus will will work tonight and how they're going to perform tonight. And it, it, it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Be very, very interesting to say the least. Gonna hopefully have a good crowd on hand tonight. They do have the lineups pretty much set for tonight's game. And looking at the lineups going into tonight's game, this is what it will look like for the Jackets in the Union Blue tonight. The lineup will look consist of this. Edwin Bonstrom, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Zach Delphi, Brandon Dubitsky, Sonny Milano, Riley Nash, Cole Sherwood, Igor Solonkov, Kevin Stimlin, Alexander Texiev, Sam Vignon, and Calvin Turkroff for the forwards on defense. Adam Glendening, Seth Jones, Dean Kuka, Zach Warinsky, Andrew Peake, and Vladislav Kurlokov. And on the on the in the crease, it will be Jonas Corposalo. Looks like he's going to get the start tonight, and Massive Kaliev will start as the backup. So we won't see Elvis in this game tonight. They take on the Buffalo Sabers tonight at Nationwide Arena. Game time seven o'clock for that one. Yours truly will probably be watching that game as soon as we get done with this podcast this evening, because um, we're about ten minutes away from puck drop at. Uh, be interesting to see how the Jackets will perform tonight. And also, the next time I talk to you, Thursday will be the second preseason. The next time I talk to you on Friday, the Jackets will have another preseason game under their belt as they'll go to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Other games happening tonight in the NHL in preseason play. We aren't just the only ones in action tonight. Of course, we have one game that is actually going on as we speak, and it looks like it is getting ready to go final here in just a minute. The Ottawa Senators are up on the Toronto Maple Leafs by a score of 3-1. to one. That game in St. John's Bay, that is where the Newfoundland Growlers from the East Coast Hockey League play at. Uh, a split squad, uh, not a split squad, but the Red Wings are taking on the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. Carolina is in Tampa Bay to take on the Lightning. Philadelphia is in New York to take on the Rangers. Dallas is in Minnesota to take on the Wild. It's a split squad between the Kings and the Coyotes. Both teams playing against each other. Da- uh, Anaheim is in San Jose to take on the Sharks. Oilers are in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. 
And also, Vegas will be in Colorado to take on the Avalanche. Yesterday, slated games, the Oilers were a winner 2 to nothing over the Winnipeg Jets. In overtime, Tom Wilson with the game winner for the Capitals as he went 4 to 3 as the Capitals went 4 to 3 over the Chicago Blackhawks in a split squad game in Nashville. Game 1 saw the Predators win 6 to 3 over the Florida Panthers and then in game 2 they went 1 to nothing in State College Pennsylvania. The Buffalo Sabres took on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Buffalo putting 45 shots on Ryan Murray on Murray last not Ryan Murray but Murray last night. For Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh only had 14 shots on net. Buffalo taking a lot of shots. They're coming into tonight's game playing with against Pittsburgh in State College. They'll play tonight at Nationwide Arena. Buffalo wins in overtime over the Penguins 5-4. to The Islanders were a winner 3-1 to over the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, the split squad between the Devils, well, the Devils, it was... Devils losing to the Canadians 4-2, and they won the other game. Jack Hughes, the number one draft pick, getting a goal and the game winner as well in overtime over the Boston Bruins by a score of 4-3. Dallas loses to St. Louis 2-0 in a split squad teams game uh, as the Flames were hosting the Canucks. Vancouver wins 3-2 in the first game, and then Calgary wins in Vancouver with this other split squad by a score of 4-3. Games on Wednesday to look forward to. Uh, Toronto will be taking on Ottawa. Minnesota will take on Winnipeg. Detroit then will head to the United Center to take on the Blackhawks. The Devils are in New York to take on the Rangers. St. Louis will take on Washington. It will be Tampa taking on Carolina, Florida will head into Montreal to play the Canadians, and San Jose will head into Calgary to take on the Flames. In two weeks, um, that will be, if I'm looking at my calendar correct here, I'm looking at my calendar here correct here, yes I am, it will be on the 1st of October, and that will be our, our 1st of October, will be the first show of October. And the 2nd of October, we'll have a special edition of All Andy Alford. It will be the NHL Preview Edition. Yours truly will give you his in-depth analysis on the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Detroit Red Wings, and all the teams going forward and making my selection on who I think could be making a run towards Lord Stanley's Cup this upcoming year. I can't believe I said I'm saying this. We're two weeks away from the opening of the NHL season. Can't believe I'm saying that. But the NHL getting ready to be in the swing of things. But like I said, October 2nd, special edition of All Andy Alfred with the special NHL preview edition as the NHL kicks off on October 2nd. As you're listening to All Andy Alfred tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening Wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. And it is now time for Andy Rants. So it's now time for Andy Rants. And first and foremost, again, I'd like to say thank you for tuning into the podcast tonight. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts every Tuesday and Friday right here on the All Andy Alford Network. And of course, 
looking forward to doing our NHL preview that you just heard on the 2nd of October for opening night of the 2019-2020 NHL season. So it's now time for Andy Rants tonight. And it's time to talk a little truth here, folks. Okay? So, Bowling Green, in the situation that they they are in, is... For me, it's it, it it's a it's a big mark. The defense has been was absolutely tremendous this week against Louisiana Tech. Made plenty of strides, but the offense could not capitalize. Seven opportunities in the red zone, and they couldn't put points on the board. They left fifty-four points, possibly forty-nine to fifty-four points on the scoreboard. You can't have that, especially in this, especially in in this in college football. You can't, you can't have that happen. So I'm hoping that Leffler will get his crew, groups ready to go for this game against Kent State because this is your first MAC opponent. You're on the road, and we're now at the quarter number two of the season. And they need to play conventional football. The offense has to get better. The defense has to get even more better. And special teams has got to be there as well, too. So I'm hoping that Bowling Green can make the strides and make the next step and win a complete football game like the Lions were this past Sunday. They took the they didn't play conventional football, and it cost them the chance to win the football game. And the Lions need and, and the and the and the Falcons need to do that. They absolutely need to do that. And I'm hoping that you know Wade gets into the swing swing of things. And I'm glad that Andrew Clare's back. I am absolutely glad that Andrew Clare's back. And I'm glad that Leffler put him back into the lineup. He didn't ask, he got put back into the lineup. So we'll see what happens. We'll absolutely see what happens. Part one. Part two is this. We got a special announcement to come up. For the Bowling Green UT game, we were planning on having a uh, little party, a little get-together at our, our small base in Bowling Green. Well, that has changed. We're taking it back to the tailgate lots where we were for Morgan State. Yes, all Andy Alford will be going tailgating on the on the twelfth of October. Hers truly will be there at the tailgate lot. We're gonna have hamburgers, hot dogs, of course. We'll have the cornhole board. We'll be doing the special live version of the podcast as well as on our Facebook live show as well. Um, we'll have more details to come with that. Um, so stick with us. You will find this on Facebook and Twitter for more information on that. But uh, all Andy Alford going tailgating for the big BGUT football game. Also, got to make mention of this as well, too. Um, we don't know yet what we're going to do for the walleye this upcoming season. Uh, the, pa- the pass for the walleye is going to be interesting. Like I mentioned before, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs for the next two years because of the whole A.J. Jang situation. But um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to perform. They'll have an exhibition game 
the day before, actually the day of the BG Notre Dame game, which is the 5th of October, as they'll take on Kalamazoo. Tickets are still available for that by going to ToledoWalleye.com and so much more. But the question is, we were talking about this in the back of how much walleye coverage are we going to get, do this year for this podcast? And of course, we're going to do a lot because they are the defending Western Conference champions because it's our fish, our fight. And, you know, we also give credit to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, this is a podcast that's all Ohio-based as well as the Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan based. But we also are based out of, for Ohio as well, too, because we talk Blue Jackets, we talk Ohio State, we talk Browns. We don't talk that much about the Bengals and, and the Bearcats, but we, you, it's up to you guys if we want to talk more about that. Um, we are a fan-driven show. This is a fan-driven show. We are not setting our, setting our tables and setting our own minds to what we want to talk about. But, of course... This show is tailored to the show, the things that I see on the daily basis and the teams that I like to cover and I like to talk about. And, of course, you hear the people that have criticized the show saying, you know, you're only talking about one team. You're, ta- you're, li- you're living in a different market, blah, 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 blah. Look, I know that. That's why it's called All Andy Alfred. You hear my opinion on shows and you hear my opinion on, thought, uh, on thoughts and everything. So let's make it happen. If you want to talk about the about the struggling Indians, we're here. You want to talk about how the bad that the Tigers are? I understand. You want to talk about if the Browns are going to be good this year? I'm here. So it makes all of the offered the premier show right here in the Northwest Ohio area. It really is. So I thank you for that. I truly, truly thank you for that. We'll be back on Friday for another edition of All Andy Alfred right here on the Anchor Network. Of course, it'll be a special Falcon Friday edition as we preview the Bowling Green Kent State game as well as Toledo's game against Colorado State and all the other games happening in the Big Ten as well as the Mid-America Conference Top 25. You'll also hear my opinion on week three of the NFL season and we'll also break down what is happening on the ice for preseason action as well as on the diamond for both the Indians and the Tigers. That's all the time I have for you tonight, of course, but this is Andy Alford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home, and to my teams, go Jackets! Beat the Buffalo Sabres and beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Go Tigers. Go Tribe. I don't know who to root for this weekend. I want to see the Indians prevail. I also don't want to see the Tigers get 120 losses. Go Falcons. Hopefully Bowling Green can get back into the winning page against Kent State. And go Walleye. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. I'll talk to you on Friday for another edition of All Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network. Love you. Talk to you guys then. Follow Andy on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. And on Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network. Powered by Anchor.